no one likes to be judged. But at some point and in some way, we've all been judged, right? And if we're honest, we're pretty good at judging others too. So is there a way to stop this judging cycle? A way to stop judging others and a way to not let the judgment from others affect and weigh down our lives? Jesus said there is. So let's talk about it together. How do you feel when you know or at least suspect that someone is judging you? Like how do you how do you react? You get angry or or defensive or for me antagonistic like well I'm just gonna do that even more now. Maybe you get self-conscious or most of us turn around and then try to find things to judge them about right? It's easy because there's so much we can judge each other about. We are experts finding ways to judge each other. Whether it's um, style of parenting or politics or religion or even style or income or even judging people based on their accents, right? And our most common reaction to feeling judged is judging the judge right back, right? Like, oh, you think my kids are misbehaved? Well, your you're overbearing and your kids are dumb anyway. Or, oh, I'm a heartless conservative, am I? Well, then you're just a brainless liberal. Or we even judge people for being judgmental, right? Like, who are you to judge me? Oh, you think you're so wonderful. Well, here's what's wrong with you. It's this endless cycle of anger and like passive aggressive statements and avoidance or even outright hostility. It's a horrible way to live. So why do we do it? Well, and I think you know this. We're afraid that we're not good enough and so we want to feel better. We judge others so we can compare our best intentions to their worst qualities. But Jesus gives a better way, a way to avoid the endless and pointless anger and, and judging. It's a life that seeks the kingdom of heaven now, where we choose to play our role in God's kingdom on earth now. And Jesus described this in his, what we call the Sermon on the Mount. And near the end of his sermon, he addresses this universal tendency towards judgment, and what we see when we look at what he says is seeking the kingdom of heaven frees us from the cycle of judgment. In the section we're going to read, it's often seen as like this pithy fortune cookie pieces of wisdom from Jesus thing. But it's not. It's actually a connected and really coherent message, which is why it's really important to read whole sections of the biblical writings in one sitting. And so let's do that. Do not judge others and you will not be judged. For you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. And you're like, oh, good. I don't do that. I don't judge others. Well, when he says judge, it means like condemn, meaning fault finding, finding fault in people, being having a critical attitude while still being at the same time blind to our own failings. If you're honest, you ever do that? I thought so. And Jesus says, look, if you judge you're going to be judged too. And he's talking kind of about two things. He's talking about that cycle of judging each other, right, that we talked about. But he's also saying that we're going to have to give an account for the judgment we've placed on others. And so he's saying, look, don't judge until you're ready to have your life scrutinized and judged. And he goes on. He kind of gives us a good picture of what that looks like. And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? <laughs> I mean, that's a very funny picture, right? A log or a plank sticking out of your eye, but it's so accurate of our human nature. 
We love to apply standards and ethics to others and then give ourselves the benefit of, a, of the doubt, right? We rationalize our own faults and judge others for theirs. Like for me, I, I, I do this all the time, by the way, but like when, I, when I'm in the store, and there's parents yelling at their kids like, you keep misbehaving, get get back in the basket. We're not buying that, right? They yell at the kids in the store and like, oh my gosh, those are horrible parents. But it's okay because when I do it, it's, well, it's in private. And my kids have been crazy, right? I give myself benefit of the doubt. Or maybe, you know, somebody's late to a meeting or you're late to a meeting. You say, well, you know, I have a good excuse. There's a lot of traffic and, you know, I'm really tired and I am rarely late. But when someone else is late, we're like, oh, they're so lazy. Don't they know that my time is valuable? Well, Jesus has a name for people like me. Hypocrite! First, get rid of the log in your own eye. Then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. And we love this passage because we think it gives us something awesome. Loopholes, right? Like the first loophole, we say, well, Jesus said, don't judge. And we're like, cool, cool, yeah, that's right, yeah. But... Jesus is telling us to deal with the speck in their eye, right? Like we are supposed to correct people right and wrong. And we, we got to decide what's right and wrong, right? Well, this idea, this would be so funny if it wasn't so sad. Like, why do we insist on jumping right to the yeah, buts? Like maybe we should pay attention and internalize Jesus's actual main point before we get all excited about his little caveat, right? Like, sure, they might have something that could be corrected. And yes, we do need to discern between right and wrong and promote the good and the right, but not out of condemnation and not with a spirit of like superiority. See, the whole point of what Jesus is talking about isn't take care of their speck, to get rid of the log so you can take care of their speck. No, the whole point is to first take care of our own issues. And then when we deal with our own issues, it might prepare us to have enough humility, enough empathy to not judge someone, but to actually offer encouragement and help in the area that they need it. So should we correct each other, correct others? Sometimes, but very carefully, very slowly, very rarely, and very, very prayerfully within an unconditional, loving, established relationship where type of relationship where you are open and willing to also be corrected by that person. So here's my, my judging rule that I try to live by. Don't personally correct anyone until you've personally eaten at least three meals with them, which of course now nobody's gonna come have dinner with me. Now a phrase often used to where we like say, oh no, I get to judge someone. Oh no, I mean correct someone is we say, well, but the Bible clearly says, or I'm just speaking truth in love. Please tell me how you are the top biblical scholar in your field and how your credentials are higher than all the other scholars who've devoted their lives to studying these passages and the fact that they disagree with you. See, for the majority of passages we like to quote at each other, there is actually a very healthy debate among experts as to what the author was actually saying in their time and place and what that actually means for our lives today. For example, we have the verse that says, God hates divorce. But when Jesus was saying it, he was talking about protecting women from just getting thrown off by their husbands in a patriarchal society. I mean, this can apply to divorce, to, to gender roles, to sexuality, to, to voting practices. See, the biblical writings, we're not given to us so that we can have things with which to judge each other. No, they were given to show us who God is, how he loves us, how he restores us, and how we can enjoy him now and forever. So before we use the biblical writings to judge, 
We need to make sure we know what we're talking about and whether or not it's actually as clear as we think our English translations make them seem. See, we can't speak truth in love to someone unless we truly and unconditionally love them. Now, the second loophole we think this passage gives us is that we get to judge those who are judging us. And it sounds like this. Yeah, Jesus says you can't judge me, you judgmental hypocrite. And can they judge us? And are they judging us? I mean, sure, but guess what? Jesus says in his kingdom, we don't even judge those who judge us. See, God people stop the cycle of judgment. And when we read scripture, especially Jesus, it's not, well, okay, so what about them? What are they doing wrong? No, it's always, what about me? What am I responsible for? See, Jesus isn't saying, make sure people don't judge you. I mean, that's not even our concern, really, right? It's not even something we can do anything about. Should they judge you? Probably not. But that's between them and God. It's really not our business. We are not the judge of their judgment. See, those living in the kingdom of heaven recognize God alone is judge, even of those judging us. Also, being humble and meek, as we talked about earlier, means seeing if there's actually truth in what they're saying. So we take a breath and say, well, they might be judging me, but is there any truth in there? You say, okay, great. But like, what if we know we are right in our correcting of someone? We still need to tread incredibly lightly. Don't waste what is holy on people who are unholy. Don't throw your pearls to pigs. They will trample the pearls, then turn and attack you. So maybe we are right, right. But if they're not ready to hear it, it's a waste of our time. It's a waste of our energy and it's a waste of our relationship with them. See, there's a time to speak and a time to be silent. And honestly, the world could use a lot more silence. But we are so quick to judge, so quick to correct others. But who is the true and ultimate judge? God. So to judge really is to take the role of God. And he's, he's not too keen on people usurping his authority. And even more so, if that person is a Jesus follower, if they are a child of God, then they have the Holy Spirit of God living inside of them, teaching them and transforming them from the inside out. And sure, yeah, they might have things to work on. We all do. They might have some major things to work on that you just feel like you need to address in love. But what you want to fix might not be what the Holy Spirit is wanting to correct right now. Like maybe he has higher priorities for this person's life. Maybe he wants to work on their trust before he works on their swearing. Maybe he wants to work on their anger before he works with who they're sleeping with. Maybe he wants to grow their peace and their joy before he works on what they choose for entertainment. Who are we to think our timing and our priorities are better than God's? The correction of the Holy Spirit is always perfectly loving, perfectly true, and perfectly timed. So should we help correct people, like be used by the Holy Spirit to help, you know, lead people into a better life? Maybe, and probably, if we are in tune with the Holy Spirit and his leading, and if we've taken care of the logs in our eyes, then yeah, probably. But with extreme doses of love and relationship. Okay, is that enough lecturing? I think so, because there's something better. There's an alternative to all this judging and cycles of anger and alienation. You know what it is? It's seeking the kingdom of heaven. Keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. 
For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. You parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? See, I used to think like this passage was an invitation to use Genie Jesus prayers, right? Like if I begged enough and I was good enough, then Genie Jesus would give me whatever I asked for. That's not what this is saying. See, that's what happens when we take it like piece by piece and not one whole idea. What he is saying is if we want to break the cycle of judgment, then just ask for the kingdom of heaven to be in your life and it will be given to you. Knock on the kingdom of heaven and you will be let into something so much better than you've ever experienced. He says, seek the kingdom of heaven. The word seek there is the same as he said in chapter 6, verse 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and above all, else, above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. It's the same seek. See, if we want a life that actually works, if we want to break out of the cycles of judgment, then we just need to ask and your, our Father who loves us and wants to give us an abundant life now and forever will give us what we need to live it. So be seeking the kingdom of heaven and you will be satisfied. And Jesus says, now, you know what? Let me sum up all of this that I've been talking about for you. Do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. This is the essence of all that is taught in the law and the prophets. Like, that is a perfect summary of everything Jesus has just taught in his Sermon on the Mount. And we're very used to that negative form, right? Like, don't do to others what you don't want them to do to you. That's what we tell our kids. Well, that's easy, right? Well, I don't want to be slapped in the face, so I'm not going to slap you in the face, right? And yeah, other philosophers and teachers have said it the Jesus way, but he takes it further. He said, do to others whatever. Like his is, his is even further. This, like he's saying, this is what it means to love your neighbor as yourself, to go above, to go beyond, to be the first one to act. He's saying this is truly following the law of love and living in the kingdom of heaven. You want people to give you the benefit of, of, of the doubt? You want people to get to know you? You want people to unconditionally love you and accept you, the real you, before they judge you? Then do that for others, whether they ever do it for you or not. Citizens of the kingdom of heaven offer preemptive love and acceptance. It's part of the new nature of being a child of God that we've been talking about for the last many episodes. See, this is God's love coming through us. It's not something we have to pretend or, or muster up or force. It's something we practice by allowing the Holy Spirit to tune our hearts to God's. This is the new way of living. This is the new way of being human that Jesus invites us to and makes possible. And it all starts with accepting Jesus as our true king of committing our life and our thoughts and our motives and our actions to him and then allowing the Holy Spirit to love through us because it's his love compelling us to love in every interaction. So there's never been a moment in your life where you've said, yes, I want Jesus to be my king, the king of my life, my thoughts, my motives, my actions, all of it. And that is the kingdom you want to live in. Now is the time to tell him. Now's the time to switch your allegiance from relying on yourself or anything else and relying on Jesus. And if you've done that, and the great way to like express it and show it is to be baptized. 
So we can talk about that. Just email us at info at yourcrosscreek.com and we'll talk about what baptism is to show that allegiance. So to help train ourselves, whether for the first time or whether we're kind of old veterans at this, to tune our hearts to the love of God. This week, maybe every day, let's read 1 Corinthians 13 because it's not just for weddings. Here's just a taste. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. That, just that little bit, and there's more, read the whole chapter. That bit is just a description of God's love and the love he wants to give us that will shine out of us. So read that each day this week to see the kind of love that is being put in you to love others. And then ask this, when you're ready, when you're ready to be real with yourself, whom have I been judging that I need to offer Jesus's love, acceptance, and forgiveness? See, this is the countercultural, counterintuitive life that changed the world once and it can change it again, one person at a time and one community at a time. This is what we mean when we say that the Cross Creek community exists to invite our neighbors to discover, enjoy, and share the life Jesus offers together. This is what it means to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth now, to be a child of God, to be a Jesus follower. See, when Jesus is our king, there's nothing to worry about. We don't have to prove anything to anyone. We don't need to feel better about ourselves by comparing ourselves to others' faults. His opinion and his love is all that matters. Your king died and rose again for you. That is how much he is for you. And that realization frees us to accept and love everyone else. See, when we experience how much Jesus loves us, we lose our need to judge others. Thanks for watching this content put out by Cross Creek Community Church. We are a church in Salem and we meet on Sundays at 4.30 p.m. at 525 Adelwood Drive. There's more information on our website or on the screen or in the description or show notes, but you can expect a few songs, a message, and communion. Uh, don't forget that we also have Youth Connect that happens after church on the first and third Sundays of the month, and that is from 6 to 7.30 and dinner is provided for those kids. That's available to any middle school or high schooler, and they don't even have to come to our church to attend. They can bring their friends and have a good time. Our Connect groups also meet weekly in homes, and there's space for you if you're interested in joining a small home group type community where you talk about the messages, pray together, and just before one another. There's information on our website about that as well. We hope to see you in person one of these Sundays. Until then, see you later. Don't they know that my time is valuable? Jesus has a name for people like me. Hypocrite! <laughs> Sometimes I make myself laugh. <laughs> Let's do that. Like reading the Star on the Mount through the lens of the Kingdom of Heaven, it makes so much more sense. Mm -hmm. I'm really enjoying this series.